Herbert Lockyer in his book entitled All the Last Words of Saints and Sinners, he said this, the last words of both saints and sinners about to enter eternity, what they had to say before their stammering tongues lay silent in the grave, demands our deepest attention and most earnest concern. If when the soul is face to face with the eternal realities, true character is almost invariably manifest, then we can expect the lips to express glorious certainty or terror concerning the future. Have you ever thought of what you might say as your last words before you die? If you had to choose and you had the opportunity to choose what words you might say before you die, I wonder what would you say? It's been nice knowing you. I don't know. Have a good life. I'll see you on the other side. Nice to see our family here from Oregon. How you folks doing? You okay? Amen. I, I, I would like to think, Karen, that if I had the opportunity, I, I would say this. Be sure and trust in Jesus. Something to that effect. Wouldn't you like to think that that would be some of your last words? But we don't know what what our last words might be. We don't really have the opportunity, do we? We don't know when we might die. Here are some famous last words of the dying. Joan Crawford said this, don't you dare ask God to help me. She said this to her housekeeper who began to pray out loud after Joan suffered a heart attack in 1977. Little did she know they would be her very last words, don't you dare ask God to help me. Bing Crosby said this, that was a great game of golf, fellas. He said this after he'd played 18 holes, 18 rounds of golf. 20 minutes later, he suffered a fatal heart attack. The interesting thing about this quote was his doctor told him, Bing, you should only play nine, if at all, because of your heart condition. But Bing Crosby thought he knew better than the doctor. He played 18 and he died 20 minutes after he finished. Marvin Gaye said, Mother, I'm going to get my things and get out of this house. Father hates me and I'm never coming back. Moments later, in 1984, Marvin Gaye was shot to death by his father. Michael Jackson had something to say just before he died. It was this, more milk. More milk. He said this to his doctor, Dr. Conrad Murray, in, uh, in 2009. Now, milk was Jackson's nickname for the anesthetic propofol. 
and we know that he fatally overdosed on milk. Last words he ever said. The most famous person perhaps in all the world, the most famous pop star certainly, the, the king, right? The king of pop. Last words he says? Wow. Alexander the Great said, there are no more other worlds to conquer. Karl Marx, go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. <coughs> Princess Diana, my God, what's happened? Thomas Edison said this, it's very beautiful over there. Famous last words. Today I want to launch into a series entitled His Last Words. In this series, over the next seven weeks, we will study the words of neither saint nor sinner. We will study the words of the sinless Son of God and what he had to say at the very end of his life. I believe that as we study the last words of Jesus, we will see more of who Jesus is. We will, we will understand more of the character of Jesus. Does anybody want to know who Jesus is more today than you did yesterday? Come on, is there anybody hungry to uncover and, and, and have God expose a side of Jesus and a characteristic of Jesus that maybe we don't understand fully today? His very dying words, his last words. After Jesus was nailed to the cross, he spoke a series of seven short phrases just before he died. I want you to open your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Please join Karen and I tonight. I believe God has given us a word. I have a word for the men tonight. Join me, men. Karen has a word for the ladies. Join her here tonight, ladies. We're going to have wonderful fellowship, some good food. Who doesn't like pizza? And then God is going to really speak to us. So I'd love to see you here. Join us at 6 o'clock. Luke chapter 23, look at this in verse number 34. The very first word that he spoke was this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. And then they divided his garments and they cast lots. Father, we thank you for your word. Already it is at work uh, rearranging and shifting things in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. That's what I love about your word. It does something. It, it, it brings forth a, a, a change. Let that happen today, God. Change us by the power of your word. And we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Does anybody want to be changed by the power of God's word today? Come on and say amen. Amen. The first word is this. Forgiveness. Somebody say forgiveness. Come on, say forgiveness today. It's actually a very powerful word. Power-packed word has great, great potential to change you. There's a couple of things about this first 
word that Jesus spoke on the cross that really, really came up off the page to me. God, God showed me a couple things here, and I, I want to share them with you today. First of all, I want you to, to notice this. Jesus prayed to the Father. Do you like our new TV? I like it. Some folks over the years have said, Pastor, you go too fast and I can't take notes. They put it up on the screen, then they take it down. So we've, we've talked about how to rectify that, and I think this might be it. We're going to keep a live shot up on the, the, the wall screens, and then we're going to keep the notes stationary on this screen so you can take notes and you can really glean all of the goodness of the preaching and teaching every Sunday. Because I believe you will learn more as you not only listen, but as you write down and take notes. So go and get you a journal, go and get you a notebook, and take notes, and let's really let God change our lives by the power of His Word. Amen? Get in the habit. You know, habits, can, habits aren't all bad. You can get in a good habit. Get in the habit of bringing your Bible, first of all, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, taking notes from your Bible, marking up your Bible. That should be a workbook. You ought to go through the Bible so much, you, you, you know, you've got to get a new one every few years because it's just all worn out. Amen. If your Bible is so pristine, I'm worried about you. If it's too nice and not marked up and ripped up a little bit, I'm worried about you. This is a workbook, folks, and we got to work the book for the workbook to work in us. Hallelujah. The first point I want you to understand that uh, it's just this. Jesus prayed to the Father, which I believe is a reflection of the discipline that Jesus had developed throughout his life. He's here now at the end of his life, at least his life on earth. And what does he do? He does what he always did. He did what he knew to do. He went to the Father. Think about this. What are the first words ever recorded in Scripture from Jesus? You'll have to walk back his life a little bit with me. In fact, you'll have to go all the way back to puberty for Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus being in puberty? He was perfect and sinless. Does that mean he didn't have pimples? I don't know. But he was 12 one day. We know that. We know he was born a baby, right? And he grew. He was 12 one day. The Bible tells us he was 12 one day. The Bible also tells us that when Jesus was 12 years old, it was a big deal. It happened to be that when he was 12, it was, it was, the, it was a holiday. And mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, they gathered up all the family and they went into the city because it's the feast of the Passover. This is a big deal. It's an annual celebration. We're going to go and celebrate. We're going to give thanks to God for the Passover and the redemption, the deliverance of his people. And so the whole family goes into the city. The city is humming. The city is buzzing. The city is crowded. There are people from all over the regions that have come in. And so it is just overflowing with people. It's like going to Disneyland on New Year's Eve or something. Ay, ay, ay. We went on a holiday once, and I vowed I'll never do that again. 
I mean, I'm just dizzy from all the people, right? That's kind of how Jerusalem was. You just, there's so many people and they're just bumping into one another and it's so crowded and everybody's excited. All at once, Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, he gets lost. Well, he knew he wasn't lost, but you talk to mom and dad, they thought he was lost. Then it's time to leave, and they just pack up everybody. This is like a, the original home alone, isn't it? Only he wasn't home, but he certainly was alone. It was, it was a little bit crazy. You know, I always thought, how could home alone, they pack up everybody, and they go away, and they leave. What's his name? What was his name? I don't know. Macaulay Culkin, but I don't remember. It's crazy. Well, it kind of happened in the Bible, didn't it? Mary and Joseph packed up the rest of the family. They went back home, and then they realized Jesus wasn't with them. I remember we, we misplaced Daisy for a little while at Disneyland. You remember that, Daisy? I bet you remember it probably better than I do. But it was awful, and it was really only minutes. It wasn't very long at all for us, but we were panicked. We were frantic. Our little girl was lost. Now, Disney, you know, they're tight, and they would have shut down the whole park if things really got out of hand. But Daisy went to a worker, and the worker just said, you just stay here, and I'll bet Mom and Dad will come and find you. And it, it happened just like that. And we were, it, just a matter of minutes, I don't know how many, but minutes, we were reunited with our little girl. But for those few minutes that we were apart, folks, there was a panic in Mom and in Dad. We were lost without our, our little girl. Now, if it was Elliot and Butler, we would have been, thank you, Jesus, we get a little <laughs> bit of a break. Not really. <laughs> How's the baby coming along, Medellin's? What's the due date? Next Sunday? This month. Okay. Oh, we're excited. I know you are. But I'm happy to see you here today. It's great. God's building his church one way or another. <laughs> A whole day, you know, a whole day goes by, they're, they're home, and then they realize Jesus is not with us, and so they got to retrace their step. The Bible actually tells us three full days later. Can you imagine, Lori, being without either one of your kids for three days? It's just, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, it would drive a parent crazy. This is what happened. And so finally they find Jesus. Where did they find Jesus? Let me quiz you on your Sunday school learning. He's in church. They find him at the temple. And the scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 49, he said to mom and dad, why are you worried? Why do you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about, watch this, my father's business? The first words that we are privy to from Jesus' mouth is about the Father. Very first thing he says, Father. Talking about the Father. Talking about the Father's business. Wow. Because his whole life was about the Father, wasn't it? He came for the Father. The Father sent his Son. Jesus understood this. Jesus didn't just come up with the plan. 
The Father had the plan. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God sent his son. God's plan. There's coming a day, church, when the Father will summons the Son, go and get your bride. But until the Father says, go, nobody knows the day or the hour. Do you all still believe that? I still believe that today, Dodie. The Father knows, and he will say, now's the time. A trumpet will sound, and Christ will return. Oh, I'm so happy about that. Could we take about 20 seconds? Come on, church, could we take about 20 seconds and thank God that there's coming a day? Hallelujah. I still believe in the rapture of the church. I still believe that in the twinkling of an eye, hallelujah, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us who are alive and remain, we shall be caught up together with them. We will meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. I could get happy right there. Woo! From the very beginning, he started talking about the Father. Why did Jesus pray to the Father? Let me, let me give you three reasons why I, I think Jesus prayed to the Father. First of all, he prayed to the Father because he was connected to the Father. Connected. He came to do the Father's business. That's what he told his mom and dad, right? Why are you worried? Why are you seeking me? This is my whole purpose for coming. That's why I was born, to do my father's business. He came to make the father known, to show the works of his father because he was connected to the father. It's interesting to me how in marriage, two people come together and they become one. Now that's what the Bible tells us. Two shall become one. And it's really true. Almost 25 years ago, this August will be 25 years for Karen and I, if you can believe it. I'm so excited that we made it to 25 years. I'm taking her to Paris this summer. And I don't mean Lake Paris. I'm talking about France, Paris. We're going to Europe this summer. Mm. We really are. 25 years, Karen. And uh, wow, I, I'm just amazed at what God has done. And how we come together, two of us who thought we knew a lot, and we came together and realized we didn't know hardly anything. We were young and dumb. But we loved each other, and we believed that God had brought us together. And two became one. Now, if you're married, you, you get this. You understand this. It, it's mind-blowing. But I'm just telling you, Mike, she can finish my thoughts or my, my words, my sentence. She knows my thoughts. She knows what I'm thinking. She knows what I like, what I don't like. I know what she likes. I know how to handle this woman. I didn't mean it all. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. 
she is my wife. Okay. No, I, I just mean, it's a song. It's her favorite song from Camelot. And I know that she likes that. How to Handle a Woman. It's her favorite song. I'm trying to dig out of this. Pull me out. Come on, pull me out, somebody. Pull me out. On. Woo. You come to La Palma Christian Center, you never know what that preacher is going to preach about. The two of us have become one. My point is, Jesus was connected to the Father because the two of them were one. That's what John chapter 10 tells us. John chapter 10 and verse number 30, it says right there, I and my Father are, come on somebody, are one. They were unified. They were connected. There was harmony there. He prayed to the Father because he knew the Father could relate. He knew the Father would understand. That's why he prayed to the Father. Why did he pray to the Father? A second reason, he knew the Father loved him. He knew the Father loved him. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son and has given him all things. Somebody say all things. All. Given all things into his hand. Why? Because he loves him. When you love somebody, you're going to call on them. Of all the earthlings, of all the human beings that I might call on, I'll tell you the first one that I'll call when I'm in trouble, when I'm hurting, when I'm lonely. It's going to be the one that I'm connected to, the one that I'm one with. It's going to be Karen. He called on the one that he, was, that he was one with. He called on the one that he knew loved him. I'm going to call Karen because I know she loves me. Not just because she made a, a commitment at, a, at an altar almost 25 years ago. That, that's great. But she shows her love for me day in and day out and week after week. She knows all of my faults and all of my flaws. See, I put on my nice pastor uh, face for you here today. She knows the real deal. She knows where all the warts are, all the moles are. Come on, somebody, help me today. You know I'm telling the truth. I know she loves me no matter what. So I can call the one that I know loves me. Jesus called on the Father, prayed to the Father, because he knew the Father loved him. There's one more reason that I want you to jot down. Why did Jesus pray to the Father? He prayed to the Father because he trusted the Father. I want to talk to somebody that I trust. Have you ever confided in someone and then they go and turn it and spin it and spill it? And they tell it out of turn? And you were bearing your soul to somebody. You were telling secrets to somebody. I want to talk to somebody that I can trust. How many want to talk to somebody that you can trust? He knew he could trust the Father. He'd spent a lot of time with him, 
one-on-one and face-to-face before God sent him, the Father sent him to earth. He knew all about the Father. He knew the Father's character, didn't he? He knew how wise the Father was. God is an all-wise God. He is wisdom. God is wisdom. Jesus knew that. He's wise. I'll call on someone wise. I, I, I love to call my dad. And dad just has these little nuggets, I guess, is what I call them. And I just go, huh, that was really good, dad. Little nuggets of wisdom. You get those along the way if you've lived long enough. You get those along the way if you've lived hard enough, if you've had a knock or two. I trust my dad. My dad isn't perfect. My earthly father is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's going to come visit me for a few weeks, in a few weeks. So uh, people have been asking about my dad. I haven't seen him for a little while, you know. And, and so uh, he's looking forward to being here and saying hello to everyone. But uh, I trust my dad. You know, he's, he's honest. He's, he's dependable. I know his character. I watched it growing up in my home. So I can call on my dad. And I know that he's going to actually steer me in the way that is best for me. Jesus called on his dad, you know, his heavenly father. He knew his character, all wise God, complete wisdom in God. Sovereign God, he knew this about his character, he's sovereign. How many understand what sovereign means? Sovereign means that God doesn't make mistakes. Now, sometimes because of our circumstance and because of our our frustration, because of our hurt, we think maybe God made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Hear that today. God doesn't make mistakes. He's sovereign. Say sovereign. He's sovereign. He knows everything and he does not make mistakes. Jesus knew this about his father's character. And so, yes, he prayed to him. He called to him. He knew that God was strong. Strong dad. Strong father. Did you ever tell somebody growing up, my dad's stronger than your dad. My dad can beat you up, you know. Somebody picking on you and you, you pull dad into it, you know. Dad has nothing to say about it. Dad has nothing to do with it. But you're going, you're going to get dad as the trump card because my dad is stronger than your dad. My dad can beat your dad up. <laughs> Jesus really could say this, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus could really say this. My father is stronger than your father because Father God is strength. He's the strongest there ever is there ever could be. Jesus knew that about his father. He's strong. And if anybody could help me, it's my father. He prayed to him because he knew of his love. Again, I I said a moment ago that the father loved the son. Jesus knew this. And so he called on him. He prayed to the father. He trusted the father so much that he said we could trust the father as well. You want to know how to pray? Jesus taught us how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but really it's our prayer to the Lord, isn't it? But it's interesting how the Lord's Prayer starts. Matthew chapter 6, 
starting with verse 9. I'd like us all to say this together. In this manner, therefore, pray, and here's where we'll start. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And let the church say, Amen. The model prayer that Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And how does it start? Our Father. Our Father. Twelve years old, he started talking about his Father. All throughout his ministry and throughout his life, I, I came to do the Father's will, to make the Father known. Hey, I trust my Father so much, you can trust him too. I pray like this, you all should pray like this. Now, the Lord's Prayer in my opinion, is not an a, uh, exact prayer that we should pray. Verbatim, word for word and line for line. Now, having said that, I do like to pray the Lord's Prayer just as it's written from time to time. How many pray the Lord's Prayer? It's good. It's, it's okay. But my point here is, in addition to praying verbatim and line for line and word for word the Lord's Prayer, know that it's a model for us. And it's a guide for us on how we should pray. But we start by praying to the Father. We do this because we trust Him. Jesus spoke of Him at age 12, taught about Him throughout His life, taught us to pray to Him. Now at this critical moment of His life, or better said, at His death, what does He do? Who does He call on? He calls on the Father. Who are you calling on in your time of trouble? Who are you going to when times get tough? If you're connected to the Father, you'll go to the Father. If, if you know the Father loves you, then you will call out on the Father. And if you trust in Him, no matter how dark the night gets, even when we don't understand, even when we might be at death's door, still we'll pray to the Father. Pray to the Father. Abba, Father. Heavenly Father. Daddy God. Doesn't have to be formal and so theologically formed, we just talk to God. We just talk to the Father. It's almost like picking up the phone and saying, hey, Dad. I mean, I don't want to be too casual, but yet God can handle casual. Do you know that? That's part of our problem. We think God can't handle our casual. I'm not saying irreverent. 
But I do think sometimes we're just so hurt, we, all we can say is, God, help me. Father, God, help me. And God's okay with that. I just, you know, I, I've got all these nicknames for my dad. I call him Diamond Don. Uh, he, he dealt in jewelry for all, a lot of his life, and he always had a deal. He always had a bargain. So I, first thing, you know, I, I say, hey, Diamond Don, how's it, how's it going? You know, or Big D. I call him Big D mostly. Hey, Big D. I don't know. I just have all these nicknames for my dad. And he answers to every one of them because he loves me and he knows I love him. Pray to the Father. Jesus did. Jesus prayed to the Father. What else about this first set of words that Jesus said on the cross while he's dying that is significant for us today? Well, I, I believe it's what Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed to the Father. Jesus prayed for forgiveness. Number two, write this down. Jesus prayed for forgiveness. Of all the things that Jesus could pray, bring the text back up for me one more time. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus could have prayed, God, get them. How many have ever prayed that prayer? Don't raise your hand. God, get them. I, I'll be honest. I have prayed that prayer. I found scriptures to back it up for me. God, get them. And if it be your will, you can even take them, God. You know, we pray some crazy stuff. We really do. And we try to manipulate scripture to fit in with our warped sense of what is right and wrong. I've prayed some prayers that I'm so glad God has an answer. Jesus didn't pray, God, go get him. God, kill him. God, send your angels. My mother used to sing a song. He could have called 10,000 angels. Remember that, Dan, way back when? He could have called 10,000 angels. But he didn't do that. He prayed, Father, forgive them. What a mind-blowing prayer. What a word. First word on the cross. Forgiveness. Powerful word. A freeing word, a liberating word. Jesus asked the Father to forgive. But if you really get up above it, it makes total sense, doesn't it? After all, this is the heartbeat of the message. This is the bullseye of the target. This is the core of the gospel. Jesus came to preach forgiveness, to tell of forgiveness. He came to let everybody know the Father can forgive you. The Father will forgive you if you just ask, if you just let him. And guess what, everybody? We all need forgiveness. I don't care how cute you are today. I don't care how, 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 how smart you are today. How good you are today, it does not matter. We all need forgiveness. Because we've all done some, well, stupid things. Ugly things. We've all said things that should never have been said and acted in ways we never should have acted. 
We all need forgiveness. Jesus came to promote forgiveness, to preach forgiveness, to declare forgiveness. Healing, deliverance, the people being delivered from demons, all of that, you know, that's all bonus, I think, when Je in Jesus' ministry. The heart of it is forgiveness. I mean, the people came because they were like, this dude's causing blind people to see. I, I want to I go check that out. But plenty of people watched Jesus do miracles and they never did decide to follow him. But the ones who did, interesting, he would say, your sins are forgiven. And they got healed too, see? The blind man, your sins are forgiven. Who is this that forgives sins? Part of the whole controversy, isn't it? It's the heart of his, his message. Forgiveness. We can forgive, church. Did you know you can still forgive? You have the ability within you to forgive. Not only can we forgive, I, I believe we must forgive. The alternative is, is it's un, unthinkable. It's paralyzing. Unforgiveness. And maybe you would say, well, pastor, you don't know what was done to me. You're right. I don't. You don't know how, what I was accused of that I never did do. You don't know how somebody took advantage of me when I was just eight years old. You're right, I don't know. But I know that God has put within the heart of every man and woman and every student here the ability to forgive. And we must forgive, church. Look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Oh, let me just take a moment before I move into that next part and just thank God today that, that I came to him one day and I asked him to forgive me of all of my sin and all of my wrong and he did just that. He forgave me. Aren't you thankful today for the forgiveness of God? Come on, somebody. Let's just take a moment and thank God for his forgiveness for us, for all the wrong that we have done, all of, all of our mistakes and all of our sin. Hallelujah. He has forgiven us. And as far as the east is from the west, so far the Lord has removed our iniquity and forgiven us. Woo, we could shout on that. We could dance on that. We could run the aisles on that. But, hang on a minute, before you get too happy, there's another verse. There's another verse here. Verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. I didn't manipulate this and reword this to fit into a sermon that I wanted to preach today. I got it just as it's written in the Bible. You look for it yourself. That's what the Bible says. If we forgive, God will forgive. If we choose not to forgive, God won't forgive. 
Jesus made a choice when he was on the cross. The choice was forgiveness. He chose forgiveness, though he was wrongly accused. Accused of blasphemy, accused of heresy. He chose forgiveness. Though he was wrongly abused, he chose forgiveness. Beaten beyond recognition, ridiculed, mocked, scorned, spat upon and tortured, the crown of thorns in his brow, the nails in his hands and in his feet. Yet what does he do? He chooses forgiveness. He asks God to forgive. Wow. He asks God to give forgiveness to the undeserving. See, it's not, about, it's not about whether a person deserves forgiveness. If you try to work all that out, you, you're, you're trapped. You just have to say, God, help me to forgive, and God, forgive them. Sure, they're not deserving. Isn't that the whole point of the gospel? We don't deserve the gospel. We don't deserve the forgiveness of the Father. But do we qualify for his forgiveness? Don't deserve it, but I qualify. They don't deserve forgiveness, perhaps, for the wrong that they did. This is not to minimize any hurt that came your way. Hear this today. There's a real devil that succeeds in what he does. He manipulates, he lies, he steals, he kills. There's a real world influence. And people give in to that and then they act out inappropriately. This is not to minimize wrong that was done as a result of worldliness, as a, as a result of, of the enemy, or as a result of our own selfish hearts. Sometimes we just act out in a way because we're human. And if left to ourselves, we're going to act out in a way. It's not about if they deserve it or not. It's the choice to give forgiveness. God's dealing with somebody right now. I mean strongly. Gail, Paul, stand up right quick. These folks lovingly lead a team of people who will help you. They are our Celebrate Recovery directors here at La Palma Christian Center. Celebrate Recovery, CR. And if you're tired of the rut... You're ready to really move on. Forgiveness is a big part of it, isn't it, folks? Big, big part of it. I want you to see, I've asked them to stand because I want you to find them, gravitate to them after the service. Thank you, folks. And they'll help you. They'll tell you about the times that we meet. But aren't you tired of just being frozen in a place of hurt? Maybe even from your childhood, and yet there you're, you're still paralyzed. You know, Pastor Devin said something last week. If your past is still haunting you today, it's really not part of your past at all. It's part of your present. And it will interrupt and interfere with your future and leave you unaffected. 
God created you to be effective. Each one of us touching lives and seeing wonderful fruit as a result of that. But yet we're, we're paralyzed. We, we're hurt. And we won't forgive. I, I, I'm not going to forgive. And you're just almost useless to the kingdom. I want to help you get out of that today. God wants to, the Father, the Father, He's going to help you get out of that. And it's going to happen today. But it's your choice. This won't be forced on you. Jesus had His choice on the cross. Maybe you need to get up on a cross today and make your choice. The first word, say it with me, forgiveness. There are a couple of thoughts of this that I want you to write down. We're, we're closing. I close my Bible. I'm concluding. Come on, Pastor Moses. But jot down these two thoughts on forgiveness. Forgiveness is always in order. Write that down. It's always appropriate. It's always called for. Always called for. No matter the circumstance, no matter the pain, forgiveness is always in order. The second thought of forgiveness is this. It always works. Ah, hallelujah. Forgiveness always works. I longed for someone to come to me and say, will you forgive me? The hurt that came my way was so great, so intense. And I felt I deserved, isn't it funny how we talk and how, what we say? This is how I thought. I deserve for him to say, will you forgive me? And I waited for that. Then I dug in, and I found out I, I, got, I got stuck. You know, waiting for somebody to come along. I was stuck. Hoping for somebody to come along and say, will you forgive me? Meanwhile, life goes by me. This is for real. I'm not making up a story right now. I'm telling you a little glimpse of my life right now. It's real. And one day I heard the, the Holy Spirit whisper, Bill, Louise, he just whispers sometimes. <laughs> he whispered to me, why don't you ask for forgiveness? Instead of waiting for somebody to come and, and offer and say, will you forgive me? Why don't you say, will you forgive me? See, it all just spun. It all just, the tables flipped and turned and my world was upside down and I thought, I was almost offended, you know. And so I'm having this conversation in my heart and in my mind with God. But God, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't start all this mess. It was because of somebody else that they're wrong and their choice that unfolded all of this mess that now I'm having to deal with. 
God didn't care. He didn't care, Gerald. He said, you ask, will you forgive me? But I had a choice. I could stay stuck and pretend like everything was okay, put on my Sunday smile, or I could really get myself free. And I took the steps necessary, church, to obey. And I chose forgiveness that day. And I set up a meeting and I asked this person, will you forgive me? And as I said it, I, I saw so many things that I had done wrong that I didn't even, I didn't think I did anything wrong. I thought I was the, I was the culprit here. You know, I was, I was the, I was the victim, excuse me. Thank you, Elliot. I knew you were there on the front row for a reason. I was the victim. But when I said, will you forgive me, I saw all my wrong. Forgiveness came that day for me, and it liberated me. It absolutely liberated me. I was free. But other opportunities have come along that I've had to choose. Will I forgive or not? See, we're in, we're, we're in life on earth right now. We're not in life in heaven yet. It's not eternal life. It's earthly life. So we still got a real devil trying to fight us. We got real worldly people and we got our own flesh. So there'll be circumstances that still arise and we still have to choose. Will we forgive? I'm talking about forgiving people in the church that have said things wrong and done things wrong. Maybe you even have to forgive me. I don't know. Sometimes I offend people and I don't even know it. Just don't stay stuck. Don't stay stuck. I want to see the fruit of your life. And all that God sent you and created you to do and to be when you say, I forgive, it will come. Why don't you bow your heads for a moment? Close your eyes and really ponder this message today. His last words. First one. It's forgiveness. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, this hit me right square in the eyes. This hit me right square in the heart. I need to forgive. And I need to offer forgiveness. But I need God to help me. Well, so did Jesus. Jesus, watch this. Keep your eyes closed, but look at this in your, in your, in your mind's eye. Jesus didn't look down at the Pharisees and Sadducees and say, hey, y'all, I forgive you. He looked up to the Father and said, Father, please forgive them. I believe he's saying, God, I need your help for forgiveness today. Right? If you're here today and you'd say, I need the Father's help for forgiveness, I, I, I'm willing, but yet I still feel really, really frozen. Today I want to be free from that. I want to give forgiveness and receive forgiveness. If that's you, stand up right now. Let me pray for you before we, before we leave out of here. Come on, don't think it through. Don't overthink it. Don't just, just react. Just respond. You've got to just respond. You know, the Holy Spirit whispers to us. He nudges us. He will not take you by your shoulders and stand you up 
He's giving you a choice today. And if you're really tired of that event and that word and that person, that circumstance keeping you from your destiny and from your purpose, jump up on your feet right now and get yourself forgiven and offer forgiveness to somebody else. God, help us. God, help us. You're not going to be limited. You're going to be free. And you're going to be fruitful and productive. If you're standing, I want you to just cup your hands and lift those to God. This is you lifting your life, really you lifting your heart right now. Lifting your hurt. Come on, cup your hands up to heaven and just say, God, Father, help me. Come on, just ask the Father right now. That's what Jesus did. He'd, he'd talked to the Father from the beginning. He was sent from the Father. He taught us to pray to the Father. And now at death's door, he's talking to the Father. Come on, just say, Father, Abba, Father, help me. God, I don't want to be paralyzed anymore. I don't want to be frozen anymore. God, I want to be free. I want to be liberated. Let forgiveness come. God, help my brothers and my sisters who come here today. I know you brought them here for this word. Help them to courageously choose forgiveness. If you're standing, say, I choose to forgive. Come on, say it out loud. Don't worry about anything. Just say this. You're saying it to the Father. Say, I choose forgiveness. I choose to forgive. And I'm letting this go. Come on and let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go out of your heart. Let it go out of your mind. Mm. We release this now today, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just flood them with your love right now. And your peace. Peace is coming your way. Anxiety leaves you and stress leaves you in the name of Jesus. Let your peace that surpasses understanding. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Church, I want you to help me pray right now. Before you stand, I want you to target somebody that is standing. And I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit and go and pray with them real quick. Come on, look and find somebody, a man with a man, a woman with a woman. But I want you to quickly go and lay your hand on their shoulder and just begin to pray with them. Quickly, church, quickly, come on. I need your help. Help me pray today. I need a couple ladies right up here in the front. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding is coming right now. Thank you, Jesus.
God, Kundi today, thankful for the word that you've given us. And I pray that throughout this week and just for the rest of our lives, that we'll remember and keep your forgiveness with us. And that through your forgiveness, it will be a light to others. Because it's not going to make sense while, why we're doing this or how we're getting the strength to forgive these people. And it's our chance to say, you know what? It's God's forgiveness. It's my, mine. So I pray that you will give that to us and help us throughout the week and uh, help us to get back here tonight for the word. In your name pray. Amen.